and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Ben Standick here. I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic, which means that this moment, Sunday evening, I uh, don't have to be anywhere anymore for a while. We know why. The football team lost Saturday to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 31-23 at FedEx Field. I was there. I stood outside in the cold for a little bit to watch Tom Brady because there was only about 50 of us non-Bucks uh, or, or football team people, and that was kind of cool. And it was wild to see how the game unfolded. Taylor Heineke went from you know zero, or at least nobody to hero, kind of almost hero, uh, from a football perspective at least. Uh, and Washington was within you know one uh, you know one score of tying the game. Uh, alas, obviously they didn't. The season comes to an end, and that's the way it goes um, for the Washington football team. We're going to talk about the game and, and talk about kind of what, what happened a little bit this season and what's going on moving forward with my pal Chris Russell. Uh, of course, you know Russell, uh, longtime radio voice in this town, now doing his thing over on the Team 980. You can find him online at WrestleMania621. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Standick, and of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and subscribe to The Athletic, where I've written uh, already two things since the game ended. Uh, one, I, I sort of had the Tyler Henneke, uh sort of view of, of, of the game, not just so much what he did, but how he kind of symbolized this team, this resilient, gritty team that doesn't always play pretty, but somehow keeps you in the, keeps you in the game. And then today, meaning Sunday, um, today was exit interview day. We spoke to not only Ron Rivera, but about a dozen or so players, uh, Alex Smith, Brandon Scherf, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, Antonio Gibson, John Bostic, and, and a few others. And so um, I wrote about essentially the quarterback situation with Alex Smith. He basically talked about that he's debating. You know, he'll, he'll debate in a couple weeks what to do. But also Ron Rivera talked about what what's on his agenda. That includes having an owner, uh, having a meeting with owner Dan Snyder here might have already have might have already had it by the time you and I are talking right now. In any event, that's up on the athletic kind of what's going on there with the quarterback situation. I also got some insight on Tyler Taylor Heineke uh, from a couple of uh, NFL executives from around the league. So uh, you can check that out on the athletic. Um, look, we've got a long way to go here on the Standing Room Only podcast. It's January tenth, and you know. We, you know, the, the off season has begun, and there's a lot to discuss. Of course, we'll eventually get to free agency and the draft, sort of the staples. In the short term, we've got to potentially get into a maybe there's a front office hire. Um, uh, you know, obviously the quarterback situation will be one that, that that evolves, and you know, other things happen. You know, we even things we don't expect, as we know from what's been what was an incredibly chaotic and crazy year. For this football team. Um, needless to say, I'm just going to ask you guys to be aware of this. Uh, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. Uh, I only slept a couple hours last night after the game uh, because we had to get up really early for the players, but that's not why. It's just been a long grind. And, you know, when I say things like that, I, I totally get the fact that I have a really fun job. I get to cover a football team and to cover sports for and talk about sports for a living. And it's very cool. And I'm very grateful for that and for the opportunity provided me by the athletic and very, very grateful that people are interested in what I have to say and write. And so I totally agree with that. All I'm saying is that I'm just tired. <laughs> we, we've been on a run for a long time with this team. Um, it, it's been, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a lot. Um, there's a pandemic going on that that's part of this equation. Also, we're, we're all dealing with that, but, um, you know, it, it has just felt like sort of on being on guard for basically from the point we learned at the end of December 2019 into January that Bruce Allen was out, Ron Rivera was in, and it's been a, it's been a ride since. But it'll be exciting to discuss. Oh, anyway, so if I sound a little worn out today, just take it as that. Uh, I'm excited though to keep this podcast going. We'll have plenty to discuss. With the football team, I'll talk Wizards and kind of. I think now that the, the team, the, the season's over and there's no sort of games to focus on, it'll give me a chance to sort of branch out to some other topics, some interesting topics to get into. Obviously, the NFL draft will be something I'll be focusing on a lot. For those of you who don't know, mock drafts are something that I do a lot. I've had some success with and enjoy 
sort of thinking about the world in those terms. So we'll get to that down the line and have some fun guests along the way. In any event, let me just sort of, before I get to my, my conversation with Chris, you know, I don't know, it's weird from my perspective, I don't know if I can count this as a fun season, but I do, I do feel like it was like a, a, huggable, a huggable season in an ironic time when fans were, were told to be kept apart. I mean, this team won five of its last seven games. You had the feel-good stories of Ron Rivera and Alex Smith, not to mention Chase Young has clearly become a fan favorite. Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, uh, Montez Sweat, there's a lot, Cameron Curl, there's a lot of young players that you can get excited about going forward. Not to mention, look, Ron Rivera did a good job from the perspective of getting the players to buy into his message. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when he released Dwayne Haskins and did he did his credibility take a hit? And my take at that time was, no, I don't think so at all, really, uh, because he already built up so much good equity. And we just see that over and over again with the way the players talked about him um, and, and what he meant for this team. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this team. Obviously, everything with Washington comes with the backdrop of the owner and everything that goes on with that. And there's not much I can do or say about that. I mean, from this perspective of the owner is going to own her. But there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this team. I think, as Chris and I will get into, I think some of the optimism is slightly overblown, yet simultaneously with a couple of key choices, a couple of key moves this offseason, figure out the quarterback, add a linebacker, some other pieces on defense, uh, you know, have some good health, which they did largely this year, by, you know, overall. Um, you know, why not them? <laughs> why not us? To say, I'm not the us, they're the us, but that was their saying, why not us? You know, uh, all that I think is really... I think there's reason to be optimistic, but at the same time, I don't know. If, I, it's hard to know if everybody else had fun out there. I, I, it, it, you know, if you can't go to games, that, that takes away some of the fun. You, you can't be around your friends to watch them, whether that's at your house or a bar or at the stadium. So it was weird on all these fronts. I, I, I hope in the coming days to really sort of maybe even have a, a deeper dive into kind of what went on behind the scenes from our perspective with the media, things I thought were interesting. Hopefully some of my colleagues will as well. Right now I'm tired. I'm going to go take a rest. I'm going to go nap. But what I'm going to do first is play for you my interview with Chris Russell from the Team 980. We just had a, a really fun chat uh, about a bunch of topics. We played some fact or fiction on various things, including the quarterback, Brandon Sheriff, Ryan Kerrigan, the defense, this GM hire, and more. So fun conversation. Excited for you guys to hear it here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, as promised, joining me here on the Standard Room Only podcast, uh, guys had me on his various radio shows many times, including just recently uh, on uh, the Team 980, where you can hear him regularly on the afternoons. He is, of course, the great Chris Russell. What is it, at WrestleMania 621? It is. Hello, and, and, Ben Standing. Anybody who's listening to this is already following you and probably giving you grief, but they shouldn't give you grief. They should just follow you and be nice. Exactly. I, I agree with you. I don't know about that. They're probably already following me because uh, you, you have um, you, you have a much smarter intellect and insight into the football team that we cover. <laughs> I'm a little bit more of a hothead and, uh, you know, uh, that does turn off a lot of people. Although as I get older, Ben, I'm trying, trying to be more, uh, I guess, docile, more, um, less, less inflammatory, I guess is the way I would describe it. <laughs> no, you are, you, you obviously are a, a staple talking about the Washington football team and who better to talk uh, with when, uh, you know, we, we had a, a playoff game to, to recap in a seat in, in an off season to preview, obviously the, the game didn't go as desired from a win-loss perspective. Obviously, you like to win these one-and-done games. Uh, so they didn't get that done. But look, 31-23, Washington, you know, battled Tampa Bay to the end. They covered the spread. Uh, you know, and the fact that they did it with this, you know, with the complete random quarterback and Taylor Heineke, uh, you know, that nobody was imagining would, would be of, of, of any consequence at any point this season – to, to play the game is one thing to take Tom Brady, you know, make, make Tampa Bay have to continue to pour on, uh, pour on the points, um, you know, says, says a lot uh, for, for, for sure. So we'll get to uh, Chris and I are going to play some fact and fact or fiction. I, I've, I've got some random questions and we'll kind of go through that. But before that, before we'll talk about the offseason as well, I guess just broadly, 
it is over. The the game happened. What was your, what are your basic takeaways off the game itself? Yeah, I mean, how could you not walk away being impressed by Taylor Heineke, right? In every way. I, not only the running and the playmaking and the play extension, which we all knew he would be better at Alex Smith. I got to be honest with you, Ben. Uh, I don't know how you felt sitting in the same press box as me from in the same awful angle as me. He was a better thrower. On to, uh, you know, he was a better rhythm and timing thrower than I was expecting. I don't want to say better than Alex Smith, you know, better than Kyle Allen. I don't think he's got a strong arm by any means, but he's pretty accurate. Uh, and a couple of times on Saturday night, I thought, boy, he's hanging one out there and he's going to get picked off and they're going to go for a pick six if they time it and jump it right. So that is a concern, but he was much more accurate uh, and in rhythm than I thought he was going to be. And to think what he did after that touchdown run uh, in which he stretches out the pylon dislocates his shoulder, or, or I should say the, the AC, you know, uh, joint sprain or whatever they're calling it. I think that's what he called it. Um, to think that he would come back in the next series, get knocked down, uh, I thought, late on the first play uh, on the next series, should have been a foul, they didn't call it, then knocked down again on third down, had to be scraped up off the map by Morgan Moses, then we think Montez is coming in, then Heineke comes back in instead of Montez, and he throws a touchdown pass that was an absolute dart to Steven Sims on an out route in the corner of the end zone. And Sims did what Sims does. He almost bobbled it and almost didn't <laughs> catch it, but he did. I, you know, fine. But I mean, to think of the toughness of this kid, again, we talk about resiliency. We talk about culture. We talk about this and, you know, uh, tough skin, thick skin, whatever. Uh, this kid exemplified it on Saturday night when you pick, when you go grand scheme of things, and again, better thrower than I was expecting from the start against an aggressive or pretty aggressive defense uh, of, of Tampa Bay. So, you know, in general, I would say I was obviously very pleased, very happy with what he gave them. I don't know how you could ask for much more. You know, the defense let me down. Uh, I was expecting Tom Brady and the Bucks to, 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 damage up I, I don't know if I was expecting 31 points against this defense Ben uh, I don't know if I was expecting you know Chase Young to be completely shut out I don't know if I was expecting um, you know I don't know um, you know kind of a vanilla and, and and here's the thing I should have been expecting it I didn't think Tampa would be able to run for 140 yards uh, against this Washington defense and and I'm disappointed in myself because I should have been expecting just that um, yeah I mean just in terms of in terms of Heineke I mean you know you hear different labels for different guys and the one for him I heard over and over again uh, I even talked to, to Norv Turner the other day for something about Scott Turner and he had him in Carolina for a minute and he you know he he basically said you know the, I don't know if he technically used the, the, the term gamer but he effectively said whatever happens he will be ready for it and that's what we saw both when he came in in relief for Dwayne Haskins um, in week uh, 16 right 16 and yep. then uh, in in this game, regardless of what happened, he has that bounce to him. He has that he has that energy. And then yeah, you have to make the throws. The one to Sims was pretty was pretty on target. And um, yeah, he was making plays. I mean, I remember joking early in the first half in the press box. I was like, boy, we're like a couple quarters away from having a discussion about Taylor Heineke as a starting quarterback candidate here next year. And then the game kept going. And I'm not saying we're all the way there. We'll discuss that in a minute. But like, it is now a discussion to a degree. Like you at least have to say, well, here's why maybe it isn't because he did, he played that well. And also obviously their quarterback situation is dicey enough that a guy could have one start <laughs> and, uh, and possibly be the best quarterback um, on, on the team. But yeah, give him credit. I'm with you. I really thought that Scott Turner was going to sort of more, you know, milk, milk the offense and what we saw the last couple games with Alex Smith, the, you know, the, the quick passes, you know, get, throw it, you know, quickly to, to Gibson or McKissick or McLaurin or whatever, but no, he was, they were taking shots down the field. It looked, if you didn't know who it was, you might've thought it was any number of functional quarterbacks. Um, so yeah, I thought he did well. The, 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 the um, you know, the defense, um, well, it's funny. I'll, I'll say you and I, before we did this, we recorded a podcast 
uh, for you on on your right. locked on and locked on what is it? I'm sorry, locked on Washington. Locked on Washington football team. We can't have any yeah. more names possibly in the title. <laughs> I'm used to saying a different version. Right. Of that I went from three names in the title to five, which is kind of explaining 2020 in a nutshell. Absolutely. Um, and so, like you know, we talked about you know the defense. I mean, the defense has struggled this year in in a few different ways, including stopping the run when the opponent wants to run. When yeah. there's a reason, you can't just simply uh, stack the box. Like when they played San Francisco, I thought maybe the 49ers kind of bailed on the run a little bit. But regardless, Nick Mullins, you can sort of say, "Go ahead, do what do 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 what you got to do, and we'll stop Mostert." You can't do that with Tampa Bay, considering the receivers and Tom Brady and let uh, you know Tampa Bay did did uh, did, did fine. But um, but yeah, I mean, I thought um, you know somewhere to you, I just thought that the the you know, give Heineke credit and the defense, it it bends just too much against Tom Brady, and that's no shame on on them. Um, so I, like I said, we, we've got some factor fiction topics here. I'll throw out a statement. You tell me if it's factor fiction. Okay. I'm making these up on the fly, so hopefully they make it may make any kind of sense. I like playing fun games, Ben Standig. Let's go. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll steer away from the, the the quarterback for a second, but let's stay on the offense. There's a lot of different topics to consider this year uh, with regards to the Washington's offseason, and one is connected to this question, and that is this. So the last – I don't know how many games it's been, but the last several games, the offensive line has been Cornelius Lucas, Wes Schweitzer, Chase Ruye, Brandon Scherf, Morgan Moses. Does that group come back intact starting in 2021? I'll say fact. I'll say fact. Here's the reason. Uh, I still think that, you know, if they can't strike a long-term deal with Scherf, which I, I know both sides want, and I, I don't know the viability of, uh, they can still, unless I'm missing something and I didn't hear about a clause that prevented, they could still put the franchise tag a second year uh, on him. So uh, Lucas goes into, and he told us on Sunday that he's a natural left tackle despite playing mostly right tackle. Uh, I think he's in a battle uh, with Sadiq Charles, with somebody that they maybe bring in through the draft or free agency. Uh, but I think if if you're probably projecting ahead week one, uh, I know Roulier is here. I know Morgan Moses is here. I know Wes Schweitzer is here. The really only two questions is left tackle and right guard. And I ultimately, I do believe they'll find a way to keep Sheriff here. Again, I don't know if it'll be short-term. That would be my guess as opposed to long-term. And then Cornelius Lucas, I think certainly is here. Whether he's the starter week one or not, that I'm not sure. But I think there's a pretty decent chance he will be. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we talked to Brandon Sheriff today among, I don't know, a dozen players or so. And, you know, he was, for, for a guy who doesn't like talking that much to the, to, the, to the media, not in a negative way, he's just an offensive lineman, that's just kind of their code. He was pretty upbeat about the overall situation, but mostly stemming just from Ron Rivera and, and, and the foundation he's helped lay down. So it, does feel, it feels like he wants to play, but that's, that's emotion. That's not money. And right. money is ultimately what, the, what this will get decided by. And I don't personally don't know, do I want to pay, you know, not to sound like Jay Gruden, but I don't know if I want to pay a guard, a guard. Uh, a guard. 15 million, $16 million a year yeah, or four you're, years. You're but, but, um, but I mean, I guess one thing about that is, you know, you got Lucas and Schweitzer on the relative cheap. And if you think Sadiq Charles starts potentially even at left tackle on a rookie contract, you know, I'll be pretty cheap on the left side of the offensive line for a while. That maybe allows me to pay uh, 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 the right guard, the pro bowl guard and all pro guard. So that's something to consider. I, 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 I answer fact to that as well. Uh, I, I think Sadiq Charles could get in there. That would be like the, if I wanted to go cute and say fiction, it would be that Charles somehow starts because I know they really like him. It just obviously the injuries kind of, kind of messed him up. I don't know if that's left guard or left tackle, but I, yeah. I, I could see him starting, but beyond that, Look, I mean, this line, I think, did it held up. I mean, we we stopped talking about them as an issue a long time ago, and I thought that was going to be a problem all yeah. year. I mean, no, from that, no, from, no doubt. No from doubt. where that Rams game was, where it was an absolute disaster, oh, yeah. from that to where they went, I think it was definitely a, a big difference. Nothing perfect, and, you know, I'm sure there's more to break down in terms of the run game and things like that. But, um, all right, so, so we're both on a, on a fact on a fact there. Um, let's go to a different player who's sort of up in the air, this uh, this offseason now obviously chase young and montez sweat became 
the, the go-to defensive ends, which puts Ryan Kerrigan into a uh, re reserve role. Um, you know, there, there's not, I don't think there's a ton to say about Ryan Kerrigan in terms of this game, but there's a ton to say about him in terms of this franchise. He walked onto the field after the game to uh, basically to take, to soak it in one last time. Fact or fiction, Ryan Kerrigan will not return to the Washington football team next year. Uh, will not return. I say fact. Um, I just don't see it. And, you know, Ryan, you know, Ryan, uh, he's not generally transparent a whole lot with the media. Um, it, it takes a lot to kind of really get into Ryan. Uh, but I think his actions on Saturday night, his actions throughout the year, uh, not really wanting to talk about whether he requested a trade or not. Uh, there was all those reports. He did not get traded. Um, you know, I, I think he's known probably the writing has been on the wall, you know, for a while. And, 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 you know, he said several times on Sunday that he felt he had several good years left in him, but now he's got to balance. Okay. Can I play 800, 900 snaps again? Uh, is it for a contender or is the only chance I get a, for a starting job where I can play that much for a bad or rebuilding team, you know, take uh, any team, you know, at the top of the draft, the jets, the, the Jaguars, uh, you know, whoever, um, you know, so he's got a lot to figure out. I would say, look, is there a chance that he could come back on like a one-year deal? Yeah, I guess I would never rule it out because if he doesn't find what he's looking for, then maybe he lowers his expectations. But I think that would take a while uh, to work out and 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 for him to find out. Um, and, um, you know, I'd be surprised if that happens. I think he'll find something for him. Uh, somewhere, don't know exactly where, I mean, maybe Indianapolis, which is, you know, where he's from, uh, you know, would be a good fit for him. I don't know. Uh, but the bottom line is, is I don't expect Ryan Kerrigan to be back this year or right. next I mean, year. I should say. Right. I mean, there's sort of two components here. There's the playing time and then there's the money. He yeah. said he wants to start. Now he also acknowledged everybody says they want to start and he'll have to consider that he said he felt pretty good physically now because he was playing probably less snaps is that something maybe he needs to consider for his own like lifestyle I guess I, I just don't know if I see a team out there saying we'll give Ryan Kerrigan the starting role period like I mean you well know, unless I it's think, a, unless it's a bad team or a team that is coming off of a subpar year that feels like hey you know last year just went wonky on us if we had this dude and one or two other you know you know what I'm saying so it doesn't have to necessarily be a Jets or Jaguars it could be a team that was a disappointment, i.e., let, I mean, let, 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 let's, let's call it the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, the disappointment. Oh, we had this guy. Maybe if we do one or two other things, we're good, you know, and I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing out teams that it doesn't necessarily have to be an awful team for him to get the money and the guaranteed snaps that he's looking for. And that's why I tried to ask him, I said, how do you balance championship aspirations versus snaps and money and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but um, he didn't, he didn't exactly, it didn't strike me as like, you know, that was going to be an easy decision for him, you know, because if it's truly about winning, trying to win a championship, you know, there's only a couple of places he can go. One, one place that we should just quickly keep in mind is you know, I, I I think the Green Bay Packers would make some sense um, because, A, that's that championship team that you're looking for, right? Uh, Preston Smith was a little bit of a disappointment this year. I know they have Zedaria Smith. Maybe they add a guy like Kerrigan for some juice uh, in a rotation and and maybe off the edge. And don't forget, uh, Kirk Olivadotti, who is Green Bay's linebacker coach, was his linebacker coach when they were a 3-4 here. So I would keep that in mind. Well, that was a good breakdown of the Packers situation. I like that. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm going to go uh, fact as well that he won't be back. I mean, I, I, you know, we don't know what the salary cap situation is going to be, and there's no way they can possibly justify giving him – just even if they said one-year deal, same money, uh, you can't justify that playing him 15 to 20 snaps a game when you have – Right. Chase Young and, and Montez Sweat. I do think for what it's worth, it, people consider pass rusher a 4-3 end 
a priority because of those guys. But if you do let Kerrigan go, I would be looking to draft one in the fourth round because yeah. you're rotating these guys around is big. And obviously you need, you know, at one point this year, you had Kerrigan, you had uh, Nate Orchard, yeah, uh, you know Ryan 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 Anderson. Yeah, Ryan Anderson was in the. He's a free agent. I don't. I don't. I don't expect him to come back to you. I mean, no, I don't. I don't. I, don't, I forgot. I forgot his name until you just mentioned. It. I don't mean that in a jerky <laughs> way, because uh, I've been talking about Ryan Anderson all year that they should have traded him. Blah blah blah. Right. But like, uh, yeah. So I I think they would actually need that. But okay, that's a separation. But I agree. I think Ryan Kerrigan. So what? Well, I agree. Sure, back Kerrigan. Uh, not. Um. All right. Let's get to the. Uh, let's get to the quarterback. Is QB1 for 2021 – well, actually, let me phrase it like this. Does Ron Rivera think oh, – okay, let me – it's fact or fiction. Ron Rivera thinks QB1 is on the roster right now. Fact or fiction. Uh, is that for 2021 only, or is that 2021 and beyond? Uh, we'll, we'll go 2021, then go from there. Uh I'll say Ron, I'll say fiction. I'll say Ron Rivera does not believe QB1 is in-house right now. Guys he likes, yes. Guys he believes in, yes. Competition, fringe starters, decent starters, emergency options. All of those guys qualify for that. Leaders, athletic guys, whatever. One big thing that people are going to kind of ignore, Ben, that at least to me is not something to ignore. Again, I talk about this all the time. It's why I would have never screwed up the whole Kirk Cousins situation. They did not value durability. And they have been punched in the gut over and over and over and over and over again over the last three years since Kirk walked out the door, which they let him, uh, with 11 starting quarterbacks total. Now, three of them were repeat, McCoy, Alex, Dwayne Haskins, but eight totally unique starting quarterbacks over the last three years. And it's all because of durability. It's not even performance, which is like what most people look at. And I'm not telling you that they're great, but it's durability. How in the world do you go into 2021 thinking, you know what, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke and Alex Smith are going to hold up physically. And I mean, I, I, I don't know, I don't know any way that you could make that kind of declarative statement or have that belief because the proof is in the pudding. Neither of the three of them can period end of story. So to me, if you don't have like somebody that you believe in that can kind of stay healthy or stay healthy, period. You got to go find that guy, whether it's through the draft or again, free agency. And that brings up a whole nother different, you know, window of possibilities. Um, yeah, I, I think that like, you know, we, I, I, I've lost track now if I said this here or I said this on, on your podcast that we just did, but, uh, you know, he, a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago, he was asked, Ron Rivera was asked, if everything that had happened towards the end of the year in terms of winning with Alex Smith was reliant on Alex Smith, like, you know, how that he was not solely responsible, but he was, you know, really, you know, that without Alex Smith, it doesn't happen. And I was expecting him just to give a perfunctory. Yes. Alex is a great quarterback. He said, no, I mean, Kyle Allen would have done something similar. And he has just been all about Kyle Allen. He did trade for him. Obviously. I think, I think we all could probably imagine right now if it had been a normal off season and, he, you know, maybe had a sense that the owner would allow it, that he goes through a real competition. Kyle Allen wins it off the jump. And, and that's how it, how it goes. I, I, I'm not going to put Taylor Heineke in that mix. I think Taylor Heineke could be in the mix for the two or three, if they keep that will get, we'll come to, I'll come back to him in a second. But um, I actually think that Ron, Ron Rivera thinks Kyle Allen can be his guy. Now he may only think that in the standpoint of, they're good. They draft a quarterback in the first round, and rather than spend the money we needed to go get somebody, he says, "Well, I think mean, Kyle can do enough. We'll go with him." Uh, maybe he thinks that uh, you know, even if they don't draft somebody, he still don't. He doesn't want to spend the, the the money it would take to keep to keep a guy. Now that Taylor Heineke showed what he could do, you draft a quarterback in the fourth round for depth. I have the guy. Uh, I do think. What what I wonder is, does he think the defense is good enough? And if you add another piece or two, help the linebackers, you get Landon Collins back, you know, keep Ronald Darby, you know, maybe you add one more piece somewhere in the back seven and that defensive line is is the line that that is a legitimate group. And therefore from that, 
they are a quote unquote quarterback away from really contending. And maybe in a year that was so chaotic and so crazy for him personally and professionally, that maybe he's like, I'm not waiting anymore. Let's go get quarterback X. I don't know if that's Cam Newton. I don't know if that's Matt Stafford, whatever. That would be my only caveat to that. But I think he, I think he looks at the board and thinks, if I don't do anything, I can win with Kyle Allen. We have the pieces in place from like a spiritual standpoint. We, we added playmakers on offense. We're not perfect. We have, we need more. I, I think he thinks Kyle, Kyle Allen could be that guy, but that doesn't mean he won't have grand, grander ambitions if he thinks there's enough. I mean, clearly Kyle Allen's not good at, as good as Stafford, for, so to speak. So there is another level, but I think he thinks that he actually has a guy who could be his QB1 on the roster. I'll just add one quick thing to this. I, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you just said there, and there's no doubt he's fond of Kyle Allen. Again, the injury thing to me is a big deal. Uh, Kyle Allen was hurt several times this year. Maybe that's fluke. Maybe it's not. I don't think it's fluke, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but I would also add that I think Ron and this staff, maybe you have a different sense, is real big about having as many options as they possibly can, especially at that particular position. But it was also proven to be true at safety, at left guard, at left tackle, right? You got, I mean, you know, over the course of a seven, 16 to I mean, if they ever get, you know, further than the first round, 18 game regular season and postseason, and then in a normal year a four game preseason you've got to have multiple multiple options at as many spots as you possibly can and i know you can't fill every hole but i think they'll you know i think they'll keep you know all the guys that are currently in house and and maybe they're you know they're not under contract you know uh, obviously kyle allen's an exclusive rights free agent uh, heineke i i you know i I haven't seen official word, but I believe he's um, a free agent of some sort. I don't know if it's a completely unrestricted free agent uh, or, or not. I, I have to do some homework on that. Uh, but but I, I think even a guy like Alex Smith, you know, if he wants to take extra, extra, extra time to kind of deliberate, say, look, Alex, you take all the time you need, right? Uh, but we're going to obviously address it, the position, if we see fit. So you have to know that. And you also have to know that if we get our guy, say it's in the first or second round, you know, that we might come to May and not really feel like you are, are going to be in the mix uh, as much as we love you, right? They did this kind of thing with Adrian Peterson, right? They got Antonio Gibson and then they ultimately, it took longer, but they ultimately got rid of Adrian Peterson even though they had already lost and fired essentially Darius Geis, right? So to me, it's not out of the question that they could keep Alex Smith while he deliberates, takes his time, thinks about what he wants to do through the draft, Ben. And if they don't get their guy via free agency and or the draft, and I think you'll be able to get somebody, you mentioned a couple of them, you know, then they could let Alex Smith go after that if they really wanted to, you know, and, and, and let him go to a contender and get out of that contract and that bigger cap number for 2021 and 2022. Um, with regards to Taylor Heineke, obviously the flavor of the minute uh, for what he just did in that game. We just talked about that a few minutes ago here on the standard room only podcast with the, with our friend here, Chris Russell. Um, I wrote about the quarterback situation on um the athletic today, I should mention. So we talked to Alex Smith today. He was asked directly, does he basically want to keep playing? He said, you know, he, he said he's going to take a, a, some time to kind of get away from it. Then we'll resurface it based on his tone, his energy. I thought he sounded like a guy who wants to play. Yep. Um, I agree. So, the, so the question there is, and I think, what does his family think about that? Because obviously this isn't about age. This is about everything they've gone through and do they want to go through or they, you know, kind of kind of go through it again. But that's from his perspective. I think from their Washington perspective, I don't. I, I, when when there was that conversation about who's could Alex Smith be QB one during the four game winning streak, I mean, it, it it was becoming harder to ignore that it was impossible. But all I kept thinking was, how do you go into a year relying on this guy with this specific injury to be your guy when you have I mean, this year they kind of had to keep him because of the cap. Next year it becomes easier to to move on from him. It's like a ten million dollar cap hit. If you stay, his salary is 19 and his cap hits 24. How do you pay a guy that much money? Even if you think Kyle Allen could step in, 
that's a lot of money to pay for somebody whose durability, you just talked about it, is impossible. And, and that was before this calf injury, which I, I, obviously I have no idea to the severity of this calf injury. And Alex Smith today told us, well, it's not really, it's more involved in a calf injury. Whatever it is, it is a, you need a battery of people to help him. And I just don't know, for me, it makes sense. As great of a story as it is, and as great of a leader as he is, to say we're going in, we're going to put this many assets into this guy and trust him. I, I just don't, I just don't see it. So I don't think Alex Smith is back. Would be my guess. I don't again whether that's retirement or otherwise. I, I just don't know how that 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 happens. Um, and uh, in terms of Taylor Heineke, uh, I, you know, Ron Rivera said he was, you know, he, he's he's opened eyes. He's going to, you know, if nothing else, he's helping. He's going to help uh, foster a competition. Uh, in talking to some people around the league. It's only you can read it more in depth on the athletic. I mean, basically, I think people were impressed with what Heineke did, and it puts him on the radar in terms of being on a roster. But in terms of being a starter, the the variables are still sort of against him. His size, um, you know, just his broad game. I, I don't think that's the case. So I don't think he's in the mix for QB one. I do think though that he's on a roster, and maybe it's this one. But I, I think he's on a roster. But I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's this one. Um, let me ask you about the front office. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this. There have been rumors. Yeah. That Washington may be hiring a general manager. Uh-huh. This, this has been floated. I don't, you know, I don't know. If, you know, I, I don't know if it's been written about in the, in, uh, in, in the, you know, Sports Illustrated over there or not. But um, it's been it's been mentioned. Maybe a time or two. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been mentioned and. Ron Rivera today, when asked about that, basically it's like, look, I know you guys want to ask me, but we're not going to discuss it. We're going to have, you know, I'm going to sit down. We're going to, we're going to figure it out. I'm going to tell the owner what I think. And, uh, you know, the, the, that's part of the quarterback conversation as well. And then we move forward. Right. They, again, when, when Bruce Allen was let go, he was the team president. They effectively never replaced him. Jason writes on the football, on the business side of the building. They never replaced. He's a president, but he doesn't have his hands in the football operations. Right. I mean, Bruce Allen was effectively the GM. Rivera replaced the Gruden Callahan situation, but then took over more of that role. So they were just very, very physical person down. So I think it's reasonable to think they actually hire somebody. But the question is, what are they hiring? Are they hiring somebody? And I've written about this now a few different times on The Athletic. Are they hiring somebody who's an equal partner the way John Schneider and Bill and Pete Carroll are in Seattle? Pete Carroll has essentially a final say, but more or less, Schneider does his thing in the personnel, Carroll coaches, and then they collaborate. Uh, is it more like, um, you know, somebody's more of like a, 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 if I say a paper pushing executive, I don't mean that, but they're dealing with more of the transactional executive stuff, not necessarily the personnel side of it. Um, or is it somebody who is a full-throated personnel person. I, I think these are all the things to consider. So here's the fact or fiction, Chris. Since at his introductory press conference a year ago, Rivera cited certain teams that emulating that they were going to emulate this coach-centric system. One was Seattle. I just mentioned how they're set up. Fact, uh, uh, fact or fiction, this GM person that we think they'll hire, which for the record, they have not actually said they are going to hire. So they may not hire anybody or it may not be in the way people perceive GM. But for this purpose, Ron Rivera hires an equal parts GM. So while he may have final say, it's somebody to really run that department, not, which is the one people say GM, that's what they think. So will, so Ron Rivera will hire that level of GM uh, if they hire somebody, fact or fiction. I'm going to say fact on that because of the way you described it. And, and, and I think you're dead on. Um, all along, I was like, wow, you know, look, if they hire a GM, Ron's going to have full control, final say, all that. But like you said, he'll still have that or he'll have the overwhelming bulk load of that. But because he's going to only hire somebody that he believes in and he trusts and he has a pre-existing relationship with, then I think that person knows what they're coming here for and as their relationship evolves, then it becomes more of a tag team. 
Uh, maybe at first, Ron, who's been here, obviously, has a better feel for what they have here as opposed to the new GM who would be coming in from a different organization, right? So I think as the relationship grows, that general manager, whoever it is, kind of grows in a, a little bit more influence and authority. Um, but I would, I would say this. To me, this, this only comes down to four people. I'd be very, very, very surprised if they go out of this group. I mean, I've been surprised before. I don't know, but, you know, again, Joe Shane, Martin Mayhew, um, Marty Herney, uh, and Ryan Cowden. And, and the, you know, I'll just say this. You were on these names, especially Cowden and Shane, I remember almost a year ago, uh, I believe, like when Ron was first hired. You know, and I've been digging and scratching and clawing and you know, little morsels here and there. I believe Joe Shane would be the perfect and ideal fit because even though they don't have a long history directly to each other, uh, they have the mutual um, connection of Brandon Bean. And, and, and from what I understand, Ron and Brandon Bean talk like almost every day, if not every day. And... I think there's a chance you could get Joe Shane here, the Bills assistant GM, have that kind of dual relationship that you were talking about where Ron still has the final say, but Shane kind of grows in influence as he gets more comfortable here and he already comes with a tremendous track record because of the Bean situation, because of what he's done. But then on top of that, maybe you can add in a Marty Herney, somebody like that who's now out of a job, who maybe wants to come home, but doesn't want to deal with all of the BS that a GM has to deal with. The administrative stuff is much bigger than people make it out to be and realize, and especially in a COVID year like this one, I know Ron was going insane trying to deal with this stuff. And, you know, Rob Rogers is in-house. I think Rob Rogers is an ideal guy for that administrative stuff, but I really think they need a football guy. So maybe if they can't get Shane or, or Cowden or, or somebody like that, maybe they just go, Rob Rogers kind of gets an upgrade and they bring in Marty Herney. I, I mean, I could see that, but my sense is they'll bring – at least one person from the outside and maybe two. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, one thing to keep in mind is that, you know, generally speaking, people don't like giving up power once they have it. And once they were successful with it and, you know, from a personnel standpoint this year, Washington's obviously had a pretty good draft. They did really well in free agency. And while Kyle Smith and his crew get credit, for identifying talent. If you're Ron Rivera, you're probably thinking, well, I came in here and however we, whatever the process was, it worked. Why am I going to necessarily uh, change, change it all? I do think there's the admin part of stuff that he needs to get somebody to deal with. And maybe that is where the Marty Herney, you know, comes in and, and, and is willing to do that and give, give Ron a, another voice to listen to. The other guys who are yet to be GMs, you know, to me, the question would be, if Ron Rivera isn't going to like sort of give them, like I think John Schneider was given more, uh, a more of a, excuse me, an executive title later on after a couple of years. I don't think he came in immediately as GM slash executive vice president. I think that second part came later. Um, so maybe that's something to, to, to aspire to, but I don't know. Part of me thinks that, it, you know, he needs somebody to help him foster ideas and take off some of the, the, the burden. But ideally I wonder if he thinks, can I keep everything else? intact in um you know with regards to kyle smith i'm sure people are saying well wait 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 if you guys if, if, if chris is talking about shane and you and you know you're you know talking about bringing in somebody what does this mean for kyle smith uh i i don't i don't know uh he's you know kyle smith is obviously i think done a pretty good job with uh with what we know him to do on the on the on the draft side but um you know he's he's young it is a it isn't just simply picking players there is more to it than that and you know he doesn't have that experience uh, you know, he and Ron Rivera seem to get along pretty well based on what they told us during the uh, free agency in the draft. But that was a while ago. We have Kyle Smith was gone off the radar since. We have not talked to him since whenever that since the draft. And uh, you know, in trying to read the tea leaves, I, I'm not saying this is the, the 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 reality, but in listening to Ron Rivera talk about Kyle Smith, eh, it doesn't see. It, it's not like warm and fuzzies at all, all over the place. It's like. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we did all right and whatever. So maybe that's nothing. Maybe that's everything. 
I, I don't know. I, I guess for his example, I asked Ron Rivera the other day, what did he think? What did he learn about Chase Rouillet this year? And he gave sort of a very eh, kind of response. He's fine, whatever. And then the very next day, they gave him a contract extension. So maybe that's maybe it's when he gives that response, it's because he really likes the guy and doesn't want the whole world to to know. I, I, that part I'm not sure about. So um, to to answer the question on hiring a full throated person, I, I'm gonna go fiction in the sense that I think they'll maybe ultimately land on sort of more of a an admin type in the hopes of keeping the personnel department the way that it is. But, um, you know, look, again, I don't know how you lure some of these people away if you're not giving them a bump up from where they were. And that's a big question that I wrote about recently on The Athletic. What does the title mean? What does it mean to be the GM? There's a lot of variables that could go into it. I think that's important to go. And again, by the way, don't even know they're going to hire a general manager. They could hire somebody else within the department to help. They don't have to hire the GM, especially if Ron Rivera um, is effectively going to um, going to do the job. Uh, let's talk about the defense. Fact or fiction, the number one priority for the defense this year is a linebacker. Oh my God, Chris, I can't believe I get to say this. You're on mute. I mean... I was just trying to be professional and not have noise in the background. And I forgot to unmute myself. Amazing. Amazing. I can't, I can't even begin to express how funny that is. Yeah. I mean, those that don't know the inside joke probably won't think it's as funny as you and I do, but uh, trust me, it is, uh, it is humorous to say the least, if not hilarious. Um, the mute button was not Chris's friend during Zooms uh, this year. No, no, the, the damn mute button stinks. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, and I'm going to just say fact. Absolutely. Uh, look, John Bostic was up and down this year. There were games where, you know, I thought John Bostic really played well early in the year. He seemed to recover a little bit. Uh, the Pittsburgh game, I think he was pretty spry. Um, I want to say the was either the game before or the game after against San Francisco. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. I'd have to double check my notes, you know, where Bostic was, you know, I think um, where he was kind of back, if you will, to where I think he started the year, but there was a large gap and he's only on a, I believe a two year deal. So now he's going into, uh, I, I think the final year of his deal. And, and, and quite honestly, they need a, as much as possible, they need a Luke Keekley tight, which is what Ron drafted in Carolina. Now, those guys are hard to find. I don't have any particular names for you right now. It's early in the process, but that's what they need. You know, I think they've got something in Cole Holcomb. I think, you know, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, if he comes back, can be a rotational piece or a part of the puzzle. I don't know if I want Kevin Pierre-Lewis playing 750, 800 snaps a year, if I'm being totally honest, but like he can be a part of the mix. So to me, they absolutely need at least one I would even argue, Ben, you know, you could convince me that that they might, between the draft and free agency, get two potential starters or prioritize two potential starters at the linebacker position. Um, I, I could convince myself of that, especially in today's day and age of – you know, interchangeable parts and, 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 and versatile guys. Like maybe you draft a true middle linebacker that you really like, but then also get, you know, one of these kind of versatile switchblades and we've seen Cameron curl. And obviously again, he was, <coughs> excuse me, a defensive back, but somebody, you know, like that, that can play multiple positions or that you feel can play multiple positions for you once he knows your system and terminology. And again, I don't have names immediately in front, but I think that's going to be a heavy priority. Right. I mean, if, if they keep Ronald Darby, which I think there's a reason to do, depending on how the, what the, what the price tag looks like, he had a good year. Yeah. They don't really have a corner, a, a, a shut down corner, but okay. They have two guys in particular there in Fuller and Darby are good. Obviously, Cameron Curl was a revelation this year. Can he play free safety next to a healthy Landon Collins? I think there's at least a possibility of it. He was a cornerback. 
at times in college. He's got cover skills. So I think that's at least something that they could pursue. And if you obviously the defensive line, the starters return, it leaves linebacker. Uh, you know, if they can, you know, this is to me where if you're picking 19, which is where they're picking, you know, not the, we'll see what the board looks like in four months. But that is a position where maybe, you know, the linebacker you take there and, and you're, you're potentially off and running with this thing. So, yeah, I think I agree that if, if Darby were to leave, then, you know, cornerback, I think it would probably become the number one. But if you bring everybody else back, the linebacker is, is definitely the, 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 the one. Um, just broadly on the defense uh, for, for my audience, because we talked about it on your show, obviously Washington's defense got a lot of acclaim uh, this year. Personally, specifically, statistically, ranked very high in a bunch of different categories. Um, but you and I just talked about this sort of the idea of did it feel though like they were that defense? I know Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and they have all kinds of weapons, and they've been scoring. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the league, and all that stuff. But Tampa Bay kind of did what they wanted to 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 do, and and you know, Washington's had some injuries. I get that, but this is football, and this is a crazy year. Everybody's had issues. Tampa Bay was missing its best linebacker because of COVID, uh, because of a COVID issue. So that's just part of the deal. Uh, Do you feel that like all this talk that Washington has this elite defense, do you actually think that it is, uh, like even if they just for argument's sake just brought everybody back, even we'll bring back Ioannidis and Landon Collins, do they actually have an elite defense or do the numbers kind of, you know, you have to remember, wait, they've played so many games against so many really bad quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. The whole division was awful, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, do the numbers kind of lie a bit? Which which way do you go on that? Listen, I, I think getting Ioannidis back and getting Landon Collins back, assuming that he can give you really anything uh, off of, um, you know, the blown Achilles, and he was already limited in terms of range, at least in my opinion, uh, and then started missing tackles left and right. So I have no idea what to expect from Landon Collins, the player, uh, once he does eventually come back. And I would assume, you know, we're not going to see him until a minimum of training camp. Um, but, um, you know, look, I, I, do I think their defense is better? I'll speak for me. Do I think their defense is better than I give them credit for? Yes. For all the reasons that you just mentioned, bad division, bad quarterbacks, um, you know, uh, they were shaky is the best probably way I could say it in a lot of first halves and lights out for the most part in most second halves. Again, some variance either way. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're a dominant defense. I don't think they're a great defense. I think they're a good defense, but I think – And I I always try and distinguish this, Ben. I don't know how you feel. Like, I think Brandon Sheriff is a good right guard who can occasionally be dominant. I think people put him on a pedestal and make him sound and praise him like he's a dominant right guard. I think there's a difference between good and great. I, I know there's a difference between good and great. And that's the same thing right now, how I feel about this defense. There's a difference between good and great or dominant or consistently very good. And, and I just didn't see it quite honestly all year. I mean, all year from start to finish, I did not see it. There were games, there were moments, there were halves. Absolutely. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be a realist here there were games and halves and moments where this defense let you down and it was far more than Saturday night. And and I'm sorry, I'll just add this. I'll editorialize anybody that doesn't think they didn't have plenty of bad moments. Wasn't watching the same defense that I was watching. And I think that you were watching. Yeah. I I mean, you know, like, you know, it's not their fault who they play and when they play them. Um, But you know, the, and, and, and the good thing is when they played bad teams, they largely took advantage of them. The two Dallas games stand out, the San Francisco game where the defense scores touchdowns. And, and a guy like Chase Young obviously looks like a tremendous player. Um, and when he makes plays, they aren't just plays, they're like wow plays. Uh, all that's great. But yeah, I mean, the, the idea that they are sort of just, you know, one player away or, or some you know, growth away from being, some electrifying defense, I think, is a bit overstated. But I do think if, if they get the proper tweaks and if the people, you know, if they get everybody kind of back, th- they could be very good. But I don't think, I think this year was a bit overstated 
by the numbers, I think were inflated in part because of the schedules, the opponent, but that's not that's not their fault uh, per se. Um, speaking of the schedule, last question for my man Chris Russell, and I gotta let him go back to life. What? what what's that? <laughs> Whatever version you're living, that's what you have to go back to. Um, you know, by and large, this season was a success in that Ron Rivera came in with an agenda to uh, reshape the, the image, the mentality, the belief, the understanding of what it takes to win and what it takes to be, what it means to be a member of this organization. And you heard player over and over again talk about how he was, you know, almost solely responsible, it felt like at times, for turning this thing around. You heard players say this last night after the game, today when there was exit interviews, all of them. Morgan Moses, Ryan Kerrigan, Chase Young, whomever. Um, from that, they also, and, and so from that, if you can get, if you figure out the quarterback situation, you add that linebacker, you know, in a world in which they draft the linebacker in the first round, they make a trade for Matthew Stafford, you know, they could be, they would easily be viewed as a, as a contender team. Now, we don't know what's going to happen, so put the personnel part aside. They also, though, in, in the sense, they now have a first place schedule for next year, which Ron Rivera noted that, well, maybe we did a little too well. We yeah. have, we, we have that, um, we, we have that going 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 on. There will obviously be a little bit more of a target as well, uh, because um, the, the teams in the division. Oh, you guys won last year. Blah blah blah. Do you buy ultimately that the trend is real, that they are trending up, and that in terms of at least say next season that the trend continues to go up. If that means from seven to nine, they get to 10 and six or whatever that, however that means for you, is the trend, well, I guess I have to phrase it factor fiction. So I'll phrase it like this. The trend is real for the Washington football team. Things will continue to go up next year based on how things went this year, factor fiction. I'll say fact, but it's a guarded, guarded optimism. Like, I don't think they're going from seven wins to 11 wins. I think it's more, much, much, much more likely that they could go eight and eight next year. And that's technically an improvement and still miss the playoffs because of various things, right? We don't know who the quarterback is going to be. We don't know if they're going to get the linebackers that we were talking about. We don't know if, you know, one of those horses, two of those horses on the defensive line are going to have you know, season ending injuries early. Uh, we don't know about Darby. So, I mean, there's a million different things that could go wrong. Um, but I would say, yeah, I think the trend is real. I think the trend of optimism is valid. I think it's fair. I think people are going to, depending on what they do at the quarterback situation though, Ben, and if they add a stud wide receiver and Allen Robinson, a Juju Smith Schuster, somebody like that, I think there's going to be, quite honestly, very rosy, optimistic approaches and 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 and, and um, uh, viewpoints from the media and from the, a lot of the fan base, and or from many in, in the media, I should say. And I think uh, ultimately we should be looking at taking one more step up the ladder here, as opposed to going from you know the middle of the ladder to the top of the ladder in one off season, if that makes sense. You know, I, I think as long as you're growing incrementally and doing it right, that's the way you want to build this thing, as opposed to thinking you're better than a seven win team. You're not, you're not build incrementally to get to eight or nine wins and you're better off doing it that way. And that means free agency and all that all roster decisions, all that. That's what it means. I, I have said before that the people who will probably even now say you got to play for the Super Bowl, you got you play to win the Super Bowl, it is completely wrong way to view it. You put yourself in contention every year and hope that the ball bounces your way. Andy Reid is a perfect example of this. For years, he was always coming up short. Last year, things broke their way. Uh, obviously, had a great comeback in the Super Bowl and their champions, but I will say he didn't become a great coach overnight. He, it was already good. He just Things went their way and they worked it out. So yeah, I agree. You, you, you don't make some like big, big swings because you think you have something. You keep making moves to move forward and then hopefully you, you know, the, the breaks go your way. Uh, Chris, you are the man. I so appreciate it. Uh, I know I gotta let you go. Thank you so much. Go follow 
Phil Nelson to Chris on the Team 980 in the afternoons. Go follow him on Twitter at WrestleMania621 and follow him on his 27 other things that he does. He's awesome, man. I really appreciate it. My guy, Ben Standing. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, and I appreciate you coming on mine. And, uh, you know, uh, the offseason is here. It's never dull, right? There's a reason why 24-7, 365 is a part of the lexicon at, uh, at the Inova Sports Performance Center. I don't know if we can exactly explain what that means, but 24-7, 365 is what this franchise is, is basically about in a nutshell. So I don't know how much rest we're going to get, but it'll be interesting. I can tell I- you that. I mean, just to just seriously, from the moment that we knew that Bruce Allen was out and Ron Rivera was in, up until today, yeah. I think we had maybe like a three-week lull in which nothing was really happening. Again, I'm not complaining. I'm not suggesting that other people, you know, especially in a COVID year, the people don't have it harder. But just in terms of this job, it has been a dash though, for, for, for a 12-month period unlike anybody has ever experienced before. And obviously, it's not over yet. There's a GM search, in theory quarterback and play the ownerships always always the thing to draft for agency but maybe we can at least sleep for a couple minutes before all that happens a couple <laughs> well, that's the couple. key chris I appreciate with, that. As, as as some people say sleep with one eye open <laughs> noted thanks man thanks buddy appreciate you all right many thanks to chris russell for his time thanks to you guys for listening if you're listening this deep into the podcast um do me a favor. Tell me what you, what's interesting to you. What do you what do you want to hear? I mean, obviously, I have thoughts about what the season, but you know, I don't have them all. Hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standick. You can email me, um, bstandick at theathletic.com. You can leave messages up on iTunes uh, as a as a message slash review. I look at that at that page. So whatever you got, but just let me know what's interesting to you. Obviously, we'll talk about the quarterback, the GM. You know, maybe, but you know, if there's something within that. Those obvious topics you have a th- specific bent on, let me know. But if there's things we're not talking that, you know, about or you don't hear other people talking about, let me know. What, tell me what's on your mind. Would love to get some thoughts. We have a lot of time uh, before there's real action going on, uh, you know, in, in the transaction space. So we have plenty of time to get into all kinds of things. And I look forward to doing that with you across the board. All right. That's it for now. Ben Standig signing off here on the Standing Room Only podcast. Be good, everybody. I'm sorry your season's over. It was an interesting ride, and nobody expected him to give you that extra week, so look at it that way. But that's it for now. Until next time, see ya.